It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now. I'm starving. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, maybe even for the NFL draft, head over to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1. You get a 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. He's the star. I know that. You know that. His name is Joe Dolan, the number one ranked fantasy analyst in the world over the last five years. Check it out. Google it. Check out Fantasy Pros. It's Joe Dolan. Number one in the world. We have them every week here on the Fantasy Feast podcast at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Five teams, seven years, classic journeyman, Redskins, Cowboys, Bills, Patriots, Browns. Don't really count the Browns, but I guess I should. I started three preseason games for them, at least after the trade. Anyway. More importantly, got a bunch of awesome podcasts. Yesterday, did a mock draft with Matt Waldman on the College Draft podcast. Also had Dane Brugler from The Athletic on the Ross Tucker Football podcast separating fact from fiction as it relates to Tua's health. The number one wide receiver, number one corner, number one offensive tackle across the board and some surprise guys he thinks might fall into the late first round. So encourage you to check out yesterday's Ross Tucker football podcast tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll have Andrew Brandt talking about the business deals for the draft that are already going down, the contracts that are already being negotiated. He will explain. We're recording this on a Tuesday this week because in case you haven't heard, the NFL draft is on Thursday. It's kind of a big deal. And we want to make sure that you have a couple of days to listen to this before everything we say is irrelevant. At Ross Tucker NFL on all the social, at RTF Podcast is the social media handle for all of our various shows that I just told you about. Huge news tonight, by the way. Our second ever virtual happy hour taking place via Zoom, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You got to be a patron to get the link. To get the Zoom link and password, patreon.com slash RT Media. We've had double-digit people sign up the last couple days, and I have confirmed two special guests will be part of the festivities tonight. And I'm not talking Brian. One's special, one's really special. Make sure you're a part of it. Patreon.com slash RT Media. All right, Joe, so today's show's a little bit different. I didn't even tease it yet, other than just you being the man. But we're going to talk about what we think would be the ideal landing spots for the top prospects Fantasy skill guys, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. It's probably not really worth talking about the tight ends. Where we would like to see them go 
that we think would maximize fantasy value. Now, you tell me, Joe, why this is an important exercise for fantasy purposes. Because it's not just the players when it comes to football, Ross. And, and and I think, you know, I heard your discussion you had on on the Ross Tucker football podcast with Greg Cosell last week about the whole running backs don't matter, you know, thing, which is kind of annoying. But you also understand where it's coming from. Um, and basically, it's kind of how running backs are the product of the offense around them in, in large situations. But while running backs might be more of a product of the offense around them more so than other positions, the fact of the matter is every position is a product of the environment. And there are very few completely transcendental um, talents who can overcome a bad situation. Heck, I'd even suggest that if Patrick Mahomes was in a bad situation with bad offensive linemen and receivers who couldn't run – then his numbers wouldn't be anywhere near as good as they are. So it's all a part of the package when it comes to, to football. And the fact of the matter is, even if you think somebody like Mahomes or a Saquon Barkley or a, a Julio Jones would truly be able to overcome any bad situation, the fact of the matter is the vast majority of players, 99% of them, are not able to completely overcome bad situations. So it's important to know where a player might fit and be able to say when you're watching the NFL draft, you know what, that's a great spot for that player. I'm more interested in that player for fantasy right now because that player is going to be able to succeed in that situation. Speaking of running backs, Joe, Leonard Fournette, one of the skill guys that is very clearly – on the trade block, had a pretty productive year for the Jaguars, yet they can't wait to get rid of him, which I think says a lot about a lot. Well, if you listen to Jaguar beat writers, it's it could be a locker room issue. It could be a work ethic issue. And when you look at the, the, uh, the money Fournette is owed right now, remember he was a first-round pick. Uh, in the 2017 NFL draft. So he's owed money here, and he does have that fifth-year option. But I'm not sure the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to get a whole lot for Leonard Fournette. I mean, now, the good news for Fournette, and the good news, I guess, for the Jaguars here, if they are truly looking to trade Fournette, is he's coming off a career year. He stayed healthy for pretty much the entire year. He played 15 games, a career high. He averaged a career-high 4.3 yards per carry. He caught a career-high 76 passes for a career-high 522 yards on a career-high 100 targets. He played uh, – he played – basically all the snaps for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he was able to be a full-time back, but the, he just didn't like control the game the way you want somebody who's playing 90% of your snaps to control the game. And the Jaguars think they're essentially better off without him. I'd be shocked if they got more than like a fourth or fifth round pick for him, given what he's owed. But I could see a contending team paying that price rather than say, you know what? We know what we're going to be able to get from Leonard Fournette. Yes, we understand. You can get a good back in the fourth or fifth round, but there's no guarantee that you get a good back at that spot. Many do flame out as well, so we're going to trade for a guy coming off his career year. I'm not exactly sure where Fournette would, would fit. I would think it would be a team 
that thinks it's right on the cusp. I would think it's a team that thinks it's a contending team and views the running back position as a luxury. Maybe a team that still has a quarterback on a cheap deal or on a rookie deal and is able to say, we can afford a little bit extra at the running back position, and we think this is the kind of player who's going to put us over the top. It's really hard to find that spot right now, to be honest, for Leonard Fournette, but maybe a team that misses out on a target in the NFL draft, somebody like a Jonathan Taylor or somebody like a J.K. Dobbins that they, oh, we were really targeting him. A.J. Dillon. Well, we missed on him. He went a little bit earlier than we thought. Maybe we'll trade a pick for Leonard Fournette and and pay him for two years rather than paying a high pick like a Jonathan Taylor for four or five years. So uh, unfortunately, Ross, the, the locker room issues, the injury issues, the fact that he was minimally productive or or just kind of plotting up until this season, I think all those things stand against Leonard Fournette right now. If he were to get traded and he were to land in the right spot, certainly somebody we'd consider a big-time player for fantasy. I mean, he was this year with the exception of the touchdowns. He only had three touchdowns, but he was a full-time player who caught 76 passes. That's a very valuable fantasy running back, but we would have to view the landing spot. But it appears that Leonard Fournette is gone from Jacksonville, and I think the Jags are going to look to add a back in this draft. I'm with you on that. I, I think that they are as well. I don't think they're just going to roll with Ryquell Armstead. They've had a lot of issues with Fournette, you know, suspensions, social media, health issues. It is interesting, though, because he did have a, a pretty good year for them mm -hmm. a year ago. He was second in terms of snap percentage of all running backs in the NFL. Joe, he was on the Jaguars field for 88% of the snaps. Only Christian McCaffrey at 93% of the snaps was out there more. How about how you like me having research and dropping bombs? Like I that, love that, way, Ross. I was trying to find the number and I was flying through all my screens and I couldn't find it, but I knew it was around 90%. But I mean, that's that is somebody they need to replace under new offensive coordinator Jay Gruden. And that's a little bit of a tease, Ross, because I have an idea for a little bit later. Nice. All right. Well, let's dive into it. Let's start at the quarterback position in terms of ideal landing spots. Probably don't have to spend that much time on Joe Burrow. We already know where he's going. He's going to the Bengals. Although with Jonah Williams back and A.J. Green back to go with Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, this is about as good of a skill group I can ever remember a number one overall pick going to. Yeah, then this is a, a Cincinnati team. You know, I saw a tweet yesterday, and, and forgive me if whoever made this tweet is listening to the podcast because I didn't note the name, but I th thought the tweet was interesting. The Bengals went 2-14 and 14 last year, Ross, but they led in 12 of 16 games. So they had a lead in all but four games despite winning two games. So you and I have been discussing on this podcast that I thought the Bengals, their talent level was better than a two-win team last year. They just had some bad things happen, new coaching staff coming in. Maybe they weren't exactly motivated to win all that many games. They had the injuries with Jonah Williams. But here's the reason I think this fit is so great for Joe Burrow and why I think he might actually be a really good fantasy quarterback as a rookie. Compare his skill set players with the Bengals, his skill position players with the Bengals, to what he had at LSU. Last year, you have Justin Jefferson catching over 100 passes out of the slot. They got Tyler Boyd. He has on the perimeter at LSU, Jamar Chase. If you haven't heard about him, uh, start paying attention because he's going to be a big-time draft prospect. Jamar Chase on the outside. Now you got A.J. Green on the outside. 
out of the backfield. There were few college running backs, if any, better receivers last year than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Well, he's got Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard coming out of that backfield. You got Jonah Williams up in front of you at the offensive line uh, coming back. You would think the Bengals are also going to bolster that offensive line in this draft. Remember, they have the first pick of the second round, which is essentially like another first-round pick, and it's a really good tackle class. I think Joe Burrow is in a phenomenal spot, and I'm planning on ranking him probably in that 15 to 16 range at quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a top-12 quarterback this year. Next up for Tua, you have the Chargers, not the Dolphins, as an ideal landing spot. I'm guessing that has something to do with the supporting cast. Well, and also, yeah, the supporting cast is great. You know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. And we we heard Greg Cosell talk on this podcast about Tua being more of a ball distributor. You know, he's more of the Drew Brees type. And I, I think that's a fit here with, with the Chargers. They improve their offensive line, getting Trey Turner. They do need to make some picks there. Um, but I also like the fact that he could sit behind Tyrod Taylor for a year if the health isn't great. I understand that's he could do that in Miami too with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I just think the fit with the Chargers is a little bit better. They had to coach uh, Philip Rivers the last couple of years when the arm strength was waning. Um, I don't think Tua's arm strength is waning by any stretch. I actually think he throws a pretty good deep ball, but he doesn't have that power arm. I don't think that's going to be a problem with with uh, with the Chargers. I actually really like Tua in with the Chargers, the ability to sit. That would be good for fantasy, too, because we know Tyrod Taylor is going to run. Um, he has the ability to sit. He's got good weapons there. I'm still not 100% convinced in Miami that the weapons are great right now. I love Tua's fit with the Chargers, and in those fresh new uniforms. I don't know. Do you see those this morning, Ross? The Chargers released their new uniforms. They are awesome. Literally, while you're talking, Joe, I am listening and I am tweeting, the road all-white uniforms are immediately the best uniforms in the NFL. They have the numbers The road all-white. Oh, They're so good. They are so good. Um, check them out. And they, I, I mean, it, it's old, it's new. They went to powder blue. They're bringing back gold pants. Um, they even have a navy and a royal blue. And I think the Chargers, the Dan Fouts royal blue, is actually an underrated Chargers uniform. Uh, but they have that as well. An unbelievable uniform set, Ross. They, this is a uniform design that got it right. And Tua. Unbelievable. It is so awesome. All right, next up, Justin Herbert. To the New England Patriots. Wow. Joe, haven't heard that once. Didn't even think about it. And you've got that as the ideal landing spot for Justin Herbert. Well, here's the thing. Um, we've heard a lot in the past couple of years that Bill Belichick, oh, he really likes this quarterback in the draft. Uh, I think it was Daniel Jones last year. And then obviously, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo a few years ago, they'd actually drafted him. They love Daniel Jones and, you know, may, don't rule out them trading up for a quarterback. And we all kind of collectively rolled our eyes at it um, because the Tom Brady was there. And I don't think any of us were allowing ourselves to process the idea that Tom Brady was going to leave the New England Patriots. Well, now he has left them. Um, here is something that's very interesting. Peter King from NBC Sports, he posted a report that a rival GM said the Patriots love Justin Herbert. Now, there's some concerns about Herbert. Is he more of a Josh Allen, erratic passer? 
Um, I heard Dane Brugler from The Athletics say something that he would rather uh, draft a Jeopardy champion than a 4.0 student. We know Justin Herbert's a 4.0 student, but is he going to make decisions really quickly? But it seems the Patriots really believe in Justin Herbert. Maybe if he slips a little bit, they're able to trade up. He's going to compete with Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham, another guy who could sit for a while. But I think the coaching of Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels would be beneficial to Justin Herbert, who has maybe as impressive a raw tool set of any quarterback in this draft class. I don't think anybody would would argue that Joe Burrow or Tua are more physically gifted than Justin Herbert, but are probably more polished passers at this point. But I think Joe, uh, Justin Herbert would fit New England very well. What I love about you, Joe, is you very clearly listen to the Ross Tucker football podcast because that is what Dane Brugler said yesterday on the RTFP. I thought that was really interesting. And by the way, he's a thousand percent correct. You know, it's a you know, it's like I'll give you an example, Joe. I am terrible when it comes to directions. Like if I don't have ways or GPS, mm-hmm. I have no idea where I'm going. My spatial intelligence has never been very good in terms of I have buddies that were terrible academics, terrible SATs. They could get you from here to there easily, and they just know it. Like, they just know you make a left at the Chick-fil-A, you make a right. It's unbelievable. That's never been me. There are plenty of guys that are great in the classroom, in the, in the meeting rooms. But when you're out there on the field, you need to be able to make split-second decisions, and that's a different type of intelligence. And a lot of people – unfortunately, are are not able to do it. Let's get to your next one on your list, and it's the last quarterback, Jordan Love, to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Big arm, uh, aggressive mentality. Probably Some would say probably too aggressive. Um, he's willing to pull the trigger uh, even uh, even when he's uh, he's – uh, not seeing things clearly, let's put it that way. Now I think I'm going to keep citing here because, why, Ross, when there's people smarter than me, I'm going to absorb their information. I think it was Dan Orlovsky from ESPN talking about Jordan Love um, really expects his eye. When he tries to move a safety with his eyes, he just kind of assumes that's going to happen and it doesn't always happen. And he needs to have that coached out of him. Well, I don't know what kind of kid Jordan Love is, good or bad. I don't know for sure. But I do know Bruce Arians is going to put a boot up his you-know-what, and that could be in a good fashion. And we know Tom Brady's there the next two seasons. I think Jordan Love, with his big arm, learning from Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, probably is the ideal fit for him, and especially given that he's going to be throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and, well, maybe O.J. Howard, but also Cameron Brait. I think Jordan Love with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would be a phenomenal fit. Um, I just don't know if that's realistic because the Bucs probably have other needs. When you sign Tom Brady, you're going to be playing for a Super Bowl. That's what they're going to do. I don't think they'll draft a quarterback in the first round. But when I think of Jordan Love's skill set, I could not imagine a better fit for him than sitting behind Tom Brady and learning from Bruce Arians. Let's get to the running backs. First one up. And I've seen this. This is becoming a popular mock draft pick. Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin to the Miami Dolphins. Well, you look at the fact that it's a similar situation to the Oakland Raiders uh, and what they had last year. They had three first-round picks, and 
you know, I would have lost a lot of money last year because I, I said to myself, I remember saying, I would have bet my life savings the Raiders did, would not make all three of those picks as they were situated, and they didn't trade a single one of them. So let's say Miami does the same thing, and they make all those picks. They're picking at five, they're picking at 18, and they're picking at 26. They have the most picks of anybody in this draft with 14. I think for a team like Miami, which probably isn't a contender right now, you can view them as having essentially a luxury pick at number 26 overall, or maybe even number 39 overall, and that could be Jonathan Taylor. Remember, they had the worst run game in professional football last year. Ryan Fitzpatrick was their leading rusher. Uh, we all love Fitzmagic. If, you're, if he's your leading rusher, you're in trouble. They signed Jordan Howard, but Jordan Howard's more of a part-time back at this point. I think I think Jonathan Taylor with 26 or 39 could be a luxury pick for the Miami Dolphins, given that they have four of the top 40 picks in the NFL draft. I think he would be a great fit, somebody who I would project instantly for 200 carries coming into the NFL. And I think that's the type of back that he needs to be. So uh, Jonathan Taylor to Miami, I think would be a great fit for fantasy. Then you get to DeAndre Swift. I've told the story before. I've seen him and known him since ninth grade, St. Joe's Prep in Philadelphia. You have him going to the Chiefs. Man, that does feel like a pretty nice fit. Well, speaking of luxury picks, uh, Kansas City is the defending Super Bowl champion. And when you win the Super Bowl, what do you try to do? Win it the next year. Kansas City picks 32nd overall. Not a whole lot of holes on this team. They could shore up the offensive line. Um, could go defense for sure. But, man... I don't know what kind of faith they have in Damian Williams. They signed DeAndre Washington. But could you imagine DeAndre Swift and his receiving ability in this offense? I mean, it's just not fair. Um, some of these things get us excited for fantasy. DeAndre Swift landing in Kansas City with the 32nd pick in the first round. Now, keep in mind, though there are 32 first-round picks, there's 32 picks in every round, aside from the rounds that have the supplemental, not every team has 32 first-rounders. As, as a matter of fact, I would say, Ross, that no team has actually 32 first-rounders graded on their draft board. It's probably more in the 15 to 20 range. But a team picking at 32 with a team that has as few holes as Kansas City has, a luxury pick could go a long way. DeAndre Swift to Kansas City would be fascinating for fantasy. He would be a top three, top 36 pick, top three rounds for fantasy if he were to land with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you just said there. Let's keep it moving and get to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I like this fit a lot as well to the Atlanta Falcons. Well, Ross, I, I listen to the Ross Tucker football podcast. You know that. I've, I've brought it up a couple of times here. And on that Ross Tucker football podcast, I heard our guy Greg Cosell compare Edwards-Hilaire, who's short. He's stocky, but he has a great feel uh, for the run game. He has a great feel for finding cutback lanes, and he's a great receiver. He compared him to Devontae Freeman. Well, the Falcons just cut Devontae Freeman. They signed Todd Gurley, but only to a one-year contract. And I think you know at this point, given what the Rams thought of Todd Gurley, that, hey, you know, he might not be long for the NFL anymore, at least as a full-time player. How good a fit would Clyde Edwards-Alaire be there to Atlanta with the 47th pick of the second round? I mean, or well, the 47th overall pick, but that second round pick, man, that would be an amazing fit. A great player in the SEC. Uh, obviously, that's Georgia country, but they know Clyde Edwards-Alaire very well. I think that would be a phenomenal fit stylistically, given their familiarity with Devontae Freeman. Just Freeman out. 
Edwards will layer in. They won't miss a beat. As a matter of fact, they'll probably be better. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if he gets there to their second-round picks. I don't know if that happens, but I, I yeah. would love to see him there. Cam Akers to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Interesting. They're going to draft a back early uh, in this draft, presuming they're able to move Leonard Fournette, and it seems like it's a – it's a complete. It's a fait accompli that they're going to that they're going to do that. Cam Akers from Florida State goes to Jacksonville, and you know I don't know if Jacksonville's offensive line is great, but it's a lot better than what Akers has had to play behind at Florida State. It's amazing to me, as we talked about on last week's podcast, that Florida State's been unable to put a good offensive line uh, together since Charlie Ward was back there. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Um, but Cam Akers, the thing I like about him. Great feel for both zone and gap scheme runs. Jay Gruden kind of mixes both. Um, you know, Jay Gruden's been somebody who has valued the versatility in the running back. You know, he was on that staff that drafted Darius Geis. I think Cam Akers has a great mind for the position with Jacksonville. He's he's from Florida State, so they're familiar with him down there. I think he could land there in Jacksonville in the third round could be a really good fit would be a very good fit for fantasy he could catch the ball uh from Gardner Minshew checking it down good feel for both the zone and gap scheme runs which Jay Gruden likes to mix I think Cam Akers could be the immediate replacement for Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville let's move on to the wide receivers Joe and I think everyone is curious as to not only how these wide receivers should be stacked but also where you think the best landing spot for them would be. We'll start with Jerry Judy, and you have him going to the Raiders as the best landing spot. Interesting. Well, uh, when you watch Jerry Judy, you watch the quickness, the just the, I mean, frankly, the sheer dominance as a route runner, and you can see the comparisons to Antonio Brown. Now, you compare a guy to Antonio Brown right now, it gives people the willies, but I'm just talking from a strict on-field perspective Jerry Judy does look like that kind of player, somebody who wins with the quickness in his routes. And man, when I realized that the Raiders made that trade for Antonio Brown last year, John Gruden thought, man, this receiver is going to be an unbelievable fit in this offense. And I think you'll see the same exact thing from Jerry Judy. Um, they Look, their number one receiver last year was essentially Darren Waller, the tight end. Uh, Tyrell Williams was injured for much of the year. He's more of a number two anyway. With, uh, with the Raiders uh, drafting Las Vegas, by the way, not Oakland, drafting at number 12, I think that probably is the right fit for Jerry Judy. I think he goes to the Raiders and instantly becomes their number one wide receiver. Then you've got, and this is this is the the one name I haven't seen to the Niners, and that's C.D. Lamb. I've seen a lot of Judy. I've seen a lot of Rugs. Haven't seen C.D. Lamb to the Niners, Joe. Well, I think when people mock Judy and Rugs uh, to the 49ers, they're looking at a different kind of receiver. You know, they that uh, they have Debo Samuel, so let's get the, the more of the X, the guy who's going to run past people or create separation. Uh, San Francisco picks, of course, at number 13 following the DeForest Buckner trade uh, with Indianapolis. But I kind of view this as, hey, if you do one thing, why don't you just continue to kick ass at it? Uh, San Francisco or Santa Clara, more accurately, is Yak City, yards after the catch. Uh, Debo Samuel is, is a spectacular yards after the catch receiver. George Kittle is as good a yards after the catch tight end as there is in the NFL. CeeDee Lamb, what does he have over Ruggs and Judy? That Yak ability, that strength. And I think San Francisco, if they just decide, you know what? 
screw it. This is what we're going to do. We're going to manufacture touches closer to the line of scrimmage for our receivers. Not to say CeeDee Lamb can't get down the field. He's good with contested catches as well. But I think the 49ers want to make it a nightmare to tackle against them. It's already a nightmare trying to tackle Debo Samuel. It's already a nightmare trying to tackle George Kittle. Why don't you add somebody else to that in CeeDee Lamb, the best yards after the catch receiver available in the first round? The 49ers with CeeDee Lamb, man, you're going you're gonna to see a lot of five-yard passes taken to the house on this team. Then we come to the Philadelphia Eagles, who I will be part, by the way, of their NFL draft coverage Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Not only will I be on for 30 minutes before the draft each day, but after every Eagles pick, your boy will be at PhiladelphiaEagles.com, breaking it down with Fran Duffy and the crew. Very much looking forward to it. Everyone and their brother once thinks they're going to get a wide receiver at number 21. Maybe they trade up. Maybe they don't. It'll be a very interesting situation. My question for you, Joe, is who you think would be the ideal fit for them? Well, uh, Eagles fans want one of the big three, um, whether it be Lamb, Judy, or the guy I'm picking for them, Henry Ruggs. And I think... For Eagle fans who understood that they had the slowest team in the NFL last year, this one's the dream pick. 4-2-8 speed, uh, a downfield receiver for Carson Wentz, somebody who can, uh, in addition to taking the top off the defense the way Deshaun Jackson was supposed to do last year and did for one game, he's somebody that you can manufacture touches for at the line of scrimmage as well. Philadelphia did that a lot with Nelson Aguilar in his career. And obviously Aguilar never really became the player that they thought he was going to be, but they did have some times when manufacturing touches close to the line of scrimmage, he was able to use that yards after the catch ability. Well, Ruggs would take that to the next level uh, with his speed. But the most important thing that Henry Ruggs would give the Philadelphia Eagles is that downfield speed. They had the most condensed offense in the league last year. Carson Wentz had nobody to throw too deep. They had to put together 10 to 15 play drives to score on a consistent basis. That is not the way to win in today's NFL. They need speed. Henry Ruggs has it. This would be the dream fit for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then finally, Justin Jefferson. I've called him Jordan a couple times. That was his older brother who played quarterback. I've been fighting that urge. Justin Jefferson. You have him going to the Green Bay Packers. That does feel like a pretty good fit. Well, they did not have a dominant slot receiver last year or even a predominant slot receiver. They kind of mixed it up between, you know, Devontae Adams will move inside it sometimes, but Geronimo Allison, Valdez Scantling, Alan Lazard, Jake Kumaro playing out of the slot. The Packers had just 63 receptions out of the slot all of last year for 683 yards, uh, according to ESPN. Well, there was talk that the Packers were potentially interested in bringing back Randall Cobb this offseason to be that slot receiver for Aaron Rodgers. But what do we know about Justin Jefferson? Nearly all of his catches last year, and he had over 100 of them at LSU, came out of the slot. You want to talk about somebody who, if he were drafted in the back end of the first round where Green Bay's picking at number 30, talk about instantaneous production. He would plop into that slot day one and catch 65 passes for them out of that position would be pretty good for fantasy as well. I think that is the plug and play fit here. If you just want production of this first round, if Justin Jefferson were to land with the Packers, I'm talking plug and play. Wouldn't be shocked if he caught 70 passes as a rookie. 
Man, that was so good. So, so good. And now you take that information and maybe more importantly, the official bets that Steve Fezzik and I will give you on tomorrow's Even Money podcast. And you go to Bet Online and you use the promo code podcast one so that you get the glorious 100% sign up bonus. And it is glorious. And then from there, you're in great shape. Once you get that sign up bonus, you can place any draft bets you want on any guy from your college team, on what your NFL team might do, over unders for every guy. I'm telling you, it is legit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Just make sure you use that promo code podcast one and hopefully several more of you listen in time that you can sign up to be part of the virtual happy hour tonight 8 p.m eastern time patreon.com slash rt media is where you sign up to become a patron and to get the zoom link and it's byob as bry tweeted at rtf podcast the other day byob bring your own beverage whatever that might be i will be having a couple of daddy sodas i'm stuffed though for right now that was awesome by joe we're done thanks for listening to the fantasy feast podcast make sure to also subscribe to the ross tucker football podcast even money business of sports and the college draft all available at apple podcasts ross or wherever podcasts can be found